Hi, I'm Sarah Keeley, a personal coach, and this is Into Focus, a podcast about chronic pain, mental health, well-being and lifestyle. Any tips or opinions mentioned in this podcast aren't intended as a substitute for professional medical advice. These are just our thoughts and opinions, and we appreciate that everyone's different. Hope you enjoy! Hello everyone and welcome to Interfocus. Today I've got the lovely Katie with me. Uh, Introduce yourself, Katie. Hi everyone, Uh, I am Katie and I'm really looking forward to this episode of Sarah and just sharing a little bit about uh, my chronic illnesses and my coaching journey and everything as well. It's lovely to have you on and uh, for so that people have a bit of background, uh, Katie and I connected through Instagram um, and we just started talking um, and then we, we had a chat the other day and, and uh, we thought it'd be really good for her to come on the show. So, show? I don't know. Whatever <laughs> this is. Uh, so, um, Katie. You can say show. <laughs> yeah. Tell me uh, a little bit about um, your experiences with uh, chronic pain and mental health. Um. So roughly two years ago, I was diagnosed with cirrhotic arthritis, which was a type of arthritis I didn't even know really existed and did a lot of research into. Mm. But it is linked to psoriasis and um, you get it differs slightly from other arthritis in the sense that instead of just like the joints being swollen, it's like almost the entire digit gets swollen on your fingers and your toes Um, pain in sort of your lower back in your everywhere. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it was uh, what really led to it, though, was was the anxiety um, we discussed this sort of recently ourselves and I just think my undiagnosed anxiety is most likely what led to me having the chronic illness. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just sort of been a couple of years trying to get used to how it really does change your life. You try not to let it change your life, but sometimes you just have to learn to stop and think about yourself and you know, when you're too tired, and it's not, I say tired, but really, I mean, it's fatigue, which is an incredibly different ballgame to tired. But um, mm. yeah, it's just about learn, learning how to cope with it. Really. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know anything about this. Um, this is kind of my first experience uh, learning about, you know, your uh, diagnosis. So um, you mentioned that it's, uh, you kind of get the pain and, and is it right to say inflammation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a definitely a disease that's based on inflammation, um, and so obviously anything you can do to bring the inflammation down is good. Um, but yeah, it's it's some days you can be absolutely fine, and then living in Scotland, it can, um, you know, it can be sunny and you're fine. The next day it's absolutely freezing, and your hand just goes up to the size of well, like three times what it was the day before. So very inconvenient. It can be interesting. Yes. Very. Yeah. Yeah. And tell me a bit. Uh, tell well the audience about because um, I know we've spoken about about it before, but um, kind of your process. Uh, or the the journey to getting a diagnosis and and when your symptoms started and all that kind of thing background so I think I was really lucky from sort of the first sign of it to my diagnosis well the first sign that I really acknowledged to my diagnosis it was really I was really quick um so it all started off because I actually had on international cat day I'll mention this I had a cat scratch on my thumb and I um and I thought that it was sore because of that. It was a really deep scratch. And so for a really long time, I was like, oh, that scratch has really, like, really impacted me. And then I noticed that, like, the pain was sort of really spreading to, like, the uh, like the digit next to it. And I thought, that that's not right. And then um, sort of also noticed that my toes had started to sort of get a bit misshapen. And I couldn't actually get my toes to touch the ground. Mm. Um, so obviously I was starting to walk a bit funny and stuff. And my fingernails started to get pitted. So they had, like, what like little dents in them. And I literally just like typed into Google, you know, like this, this and this. And it came up and it said cirrhotic arthritis. And I'd also just very recently discovered a sort of circular piece of psoriasis on my scalp. And so again, had typed all that in and went to the doctors and said to her, oh, I think that this is this. And she looked at me and she was like, yep, it is. Let's get you referred and just sort of almost got me straight through uh, to the rheumatologist, which was amazing. 
very very quick and great service from the NHS but um what they always do with arthritis because it is inflammation is the first thing they'll do is put you on to methotrexate mm-hmm. which is um an incredibly mild form of chemotherapy which I was on for about maybe about a year and then I just started to feel sick and and I, part of it might have been psychosomatic I mean it was literally like almost the night before I started to feel sick and then would take it and just feel like rough for the whole day after I'd taken it. Uh, and so I went to my rheumatologist and had sort of told him that. And uh, he said to me that the only thing I could do would be to lose weight. And until I did that, they could do nothing else for me. Mm. I know that we kind of talked about that the last time we spoke and, and, you know, we can, we can talk about that more today. Um, but that idea that, um, well, first of all, the fact that your treatment and your diagnosis to start with was so quick is something that I guess is, you know, it's great. Um, I know that lots of people spend years, including me, uh, you know, not having answers. But but then to have that and then for the treatment to either not really work or not or feel, you know, for you to feel rough, um, whether or not it's psychosomatic or not, um, you know, it's your decision to... to uh, how you treat it um so that must be quite frustrating i suppose yeah it's really i find it incredibly frustrating and and i said psychosomatic but i I guess what i mean is like the feeling that i got on the month i had to take it on a tuesday so the feeling i had on the monday night i think was probably psychosomatic but the the illness on the tuesday was very real okay The, the sort of sick feeling was very and it was like it could impact my work you know because i'd be going in um feeling incredibly sick and it would last up until about lunchtime and try I'm a I'm a teacher as well and so trying to teach when you're feeling sick is just I mean it's not pleasurable at all (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah I mean all these medications most of them have some sort of side effect um and it's whether or not you know the benefits outweigh the side effects and whether or not it's actually working there's so much that uh that kind of we have to consider that's on top of the normal symptoms that we have with the with the uh, you know illnesses yeah. that we have well and, and actually truthfully the methotrexate only really dealt with the psoriasis side of things so my psoriasis had cleared up so i didn't have the didn't have it in my nails or on my scalp but the um the actual arthritis was still incredibly painful so i was still and still am taking up to like eight cocodamols a day to deal with just the pain of it so you know that the methotrexate didn't really help on that side of it at all mm. and that i mean i think for anybody who's listening most of us have been there at a point where we're you know popping painkillers and it's uh and you don't want to be in that situation most no. of the time because they they have they suck themselves <laughs> um but when your pain is bad you 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 know find whatever way you can to manage it yeah you said uh that you know you're a teacher and and um and that the you know the pain in your hands was particularly bad how does it affect the rest of uh, your daily goings on in your life? I mean, besides the actual physical thing, I think the worst thing is actually the fatigue because it is so, like, I almost wish that I could still just be tired. Do you know what I mean? Like the days where you come home from work and just be like, oh, I'm so tired. But actually like that is just nothing in comparison. Like, cause at work you, I push myself through like I absolutely like will just push it and push it because I know that I have to be there for them and so it just means like at the end of the day I am just I mean I couldn't tell you the last time I had to come home and not have a nap after work you know like I really have to take that time and I've actually gone down I've dropped a day so I only do four days a week now and that is is because I take that Friday to literally just recoup any energy that I can Mm. um because it's just it you know it's an exhausting job at the best of times but when you've got something like that it's just beyond um anything really and so i'd say the fatigue is the worst and also just like the mental part of like trying to get used to actually having something like to have gone from being i mean i was never active but you know like i could walk for like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. I could walk an entire day when we were on holiday. And, and you know, you had that tired that you get when you've done that. But now, I mean, I can't, I really can't walk more than maybe 15 minutes before I have to stop and just like take a bit mm. and then carry on again. And that is very hard to deal with because, you know, 
Mm. you didn't ask for it and it's just very that's very frustrating for me I would say Mm. I think as well when it comes out of nowhere when it's yeah it's kind of uh, oh this these symptoms have just suddenly started appearing um then that that can be really challenging you mentioned uh that you know you just push through it during term time and all that how do you find because obviously it's summer holidays now how do you find uh your symptoms and condition is different uh when you've had some time off I don't have to take as many um, pain pills, I would say, and I can, you know, get through a day without a nap, which is <laughs> quite nice. Makes me feel like a, a normal person again. So it is definitely when you can have the time to rest and just let your body heal in any way that it can, it's much better. And like, you know, I can have a day of almost doing nothing and that gives my body time to sort of really recoup. And then I can go for a couple of days doing quite a lot. And then again, I have to sort of take that time to recoup the energy again but Mm. the holidays Mm. are they're very restorative Mm. how do you um stop yourself because i know that this is stuff that a lot of us kind of struggle with um me very much included uh, with that sort of boom and bust cycle of oh i'm feeling good so i'm gonna do everything that's on my list and you know get everything done and then having a few days where you can't do anything and you you know not doing much yeah I mean I haven't gotten used to that yet Mm. I like when I feel like you can almost forget when you feel good that you've got anything and then like something will happen and you're just like oh no no shit I've gone too far and yeah and it can just it just really hurts it can really hurt because you push yourself and especially with um fine with arthritis so I get it in it's basically down my left hand side okay so like Mm -hmm. if I push myself too far it'll um it'll flare so like my fingers will swell my the small of my back really hurts my shoulder my feet every you know and and uh, my feet can get really swollen Mm. um so then actually like doing anything is almost impossible because walking is really sore putting on shoes is really sore you know, things that you just never really thought that you'd have to think about. Mm. It does make you, uh, I suppose the thing about chronic illness is it really does make you, um, it forces you to listen to your body yeah. <laughs> more. And yeah. sometimes those messages are, they suck, they're, you know, they're pain. Uh, mm-hmm. But other times, I suppose getting used to like, okay, my body needs me to push it today. My body needs me to rest. My body needs... Um, yeah. And then being able to make the decisions about what you do. Uh, and I think that comes with time. Because, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I've been sick for... Well, I don't really like the word sick. Um, I've managed chronic uh, conditions for 10 years now. Um, yeah. Uh, and some before that um, in my childhood. And I think... I don't think there's any end to healing, personally, no. um, because there's always going to be stuff that you can't control. Sometimes we shouldn't, or you know, not shouldn't control, but uh, sometimes we can't control, or you know, it's we should let go of um, wanting yeah. to control things. Because I think that's another thing with uh, chronic illness is it really makes you want to control everything because you have yeah. to manage everything. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Something else I have found that have actually helped. Um, if I can sort of feel something coming on, if I go for a hot stones massage, that can sometimes sort of almost not flip, like it still happened, but just not as bad because I think it's giving me the chance to relax a little bit. But also um, a hot tub, if you can get into a hot tub. Oh, it's just, it's magical. Honestly, on your joints, it's just, just the best feeling ever. And like the heat and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, on this uh, on this podcast, I often talk with people about um, sort of misconceptions or myths to do with the things that we're talking about. Um, and uh, a couple of things that have already come up, first of all, being overweight, and we'll talk about that in a bit, but um, what you were just saying about hot stones, I have heard people say, oh yeah, I'd love to go for massages and I'd love to, you know, chill in a hot tub. That's lovely for everybody. It's nice for you. But I guess what they don't understand is that you're doing it just to relieve a ton of pain yeah. oh yeah um rather than you know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's like, well how lovely yeah <laughs> what do you think are uh, some uh other misconceptions uh about 
chronic pain and illness? Well, I think with chronic pain and illness, especially when you're young, I think that a lot of people just think that you're lazy. Mm. Um, you know, and it's maybe it's a misconception that I'm putting on myself because I worry that because I can't do as much like around my house, like, you know, I can't do the housework, I can't do the cooking because it's just too much to actually push myself through it. So perhaps it's me thinking, oh God, I, I you know, I'm so lazy that I'm not doing that. But I do think that there is that sort of thing. Um, but also, you know, if you, I don't know, like applying for PIP is almost impossible because, well, it's been made very difficult, but also, you know, the, the fact that you have to prove it I don't physically look ill. I know I don't physically look ill, but I am. Mm. And well, not, as you say, not ill, because it's not a nice phrase to use, but I do have that condition. And like, you know, if I could park a little bit closer to places, it would make my life easier. Because as I said earlier, like, you know, walking can be really difficult for me on some days. And other days I'd be absolutely fine and I could walk far. But, you know, there are some days where it literally will take me five minutes to walk something that would take one yeah. normally so yeah. it's just like that that side of it like just people thinking that you're lying and uh just because they can't see it because it's not really obvious so you clearly aren't actually ill or suffering or whatever mm, I completely uh, can identify with that and um I I think there's a real gap in support I mean I don't know much about the benefits process because I kind of told myself I'm never gonna get anything from that because uh I'm like you I look well a lot of the time I feel okay and I can do bits and bobs but the moment I push it the moment I try and do what uh quote unquote you can't see me using air quotes but I am uh (laughs) healthy person um you know can do it's when I go into massive flare and I can't do anything um and so I, I, you know, I remember reading one of the the benefits things and it said, you know, can you lift a pint of water uh, or a pint of milk, a bottle of milk uh, above your shoulder? And you will. Yeah. On most of the time I can. But that doesn't mean that I'm able to, um, you know, walk uh, very far on my on my worst days. It doesn't mean that I um can cook for myself on my worst days it doesn't mean that I can clean myself on my worst days and it doesn't mean it definitely doesn't mean that I can hold down a full-time job support myself financially um you know and I think the more understanding there is for people who fall in the middle whereby you know we can do a lot of stuff in comparison to a lot of people and yes we're very lucky in that respect but actually it makes things tougher because we don't get any help with it yeah absolutely. and and I think as you said there there are people out there that are worse off and I really like I'm part of a few Facebook groups and people will sort of put in like you know there's some people who literally cannot even get out of bed and I just think oh my god like I'm I am so lucky mine is not that bad and like these are people who are freshly diagnosed like one day they are walking around and they're fine and then the next day literally they are bed bound and I just think you know that I could genuinely have had it so much worse and like I am so lucky that I'm able to still go out and see friends that I'm able to you know do the things that I could do before just maybe a little bit slower you know and and as you say there does need to be support for people in the middle because and I'm not even asking for, it's I don't even want money it's uh yeah. it's the support yeah. of like you know being able to park closer to shops of being of being able to use disabled toilets without feeling like people are staring at me thinking well she's not disabled though mm. actually to sit down on a like sit down to use a toilet mm, sorry about that but to actually do that you know have the support of the handles near you is really important because mm. you know it can hurt yeah yeah and I think it's just about understanding isn't it and um I I hope that that you know um more and more people will understand what it's like because it can happen to anyone. Um yeah. and and yeah. even though you know we've talked about feeling lucky and the gratitude that when it's not worse but that doesn't diminish the pain that we're in anyway. Um and uh you know I love concepts of gratitude. I think they're massively important for keeping us mentally healthy and and uh upbeat and positive but 
we don't always have to like shove that down our own throats and it's gratitude in our own little bubble rather than you know comparing ourselves to others and saying well I should just be coping with this yeah well and you can't compare yourself to somebody else's journey because everyone's is different but you know as you say you do still have to show gratitude occasionally something that I really love is the um there's a, a big movement at the minute of not every disability is visible and I really love that and sort of hope that more and more people sort of support that because mm. you know it is, it is started by a young girl who had Crohn's disease mm. so she has to have a colostomy bag which obviously I mean I didn't realize how much actually has to go into it but you know the sort of the clearing out of it and everything is much easier for people if they're in a disabled cubicle to actually do all that because they have to lay stuff out they have you know and and everything and you know you don't actually you really don't think about those things Mm. properly and so it's been quite nice to sort of learn about her journey although god you know again like nine years old or something and she but she's so smart you know that she started off this whole movement and i've got a little my little badge and everything to support it and so hopefully more and more people will start to hear about that and support it too yeah i mean there's that thing about like six degrees of separation isn't there whereby you always know somebody who knows somebody else who and I just think if you applied that to chronic illness and all the different disabilities that are out there um you would find that everybody knows somebody who has this and if we just talk about it more and understand each other more and listen more to each other's experiences and what our challenges are um and how we can support each other then then the world's a better place frankly yeah Absolutely. So um, I'm aware that you talked about something earlier. Uh, you just hinted on it and I'd like to kind of delve more into that and find out more. When you said about um, the anxiety that you used to have and how you're pretty sure that kind of led to um, your current condition, um, I'm fascinated by and learning more about that mind-body connection. Um, what are your thoughts on it? So just, I guess it's easier for me to talk about it from my sort of perspective. So I was in an incredibly stressful situation at home and at work where, you know, there was no real sort of, like nowhere that I could rest my mind. So anxiety, I've suffered from depression before, but anxiety sort of came in. Although actually I've since found out that that is actually a symptom of my arthritis as well bizarrely is that anxiety comes along with thoracic arthritis so I don't know if I had the anxiety first or the arthritis first and it was just a symptom but um I would sort of have panic attacks on my way to work and just really really stressful and of course that then um showed itself by sort of regular and unexpected journeys to the toilet which was you know that for me was a real symptom like my stomach just went absolutely nuts and um I had to go to hospital for lots of tests because they were trying to figure out what it was and they couldn't figure out what that was and then um I had like plantar fasc no I can't say it <laughs> plantar fasciitis mm. had it. um you know and uh, again that is a symptom of of arthritis coming on and then uh yeah then the arthritis but I had done reading at like afterwards where apparently like the stress can like feeling stress like extreme stress can cause little holes in your stomach and things then sort of slip through those holes and that your body then tries to fight it and then it gets confused and that's sort of how autoimmune diseases happen and I could definitely see how that is a thing because I think probably when I was stressed that's when I was having all of my stomach issues and that if I'd actually just dealt with it like then and there I don't think I would have my autoimmune disease now Mm. I think and so it's yes I shouldn't look back at it and say that because there's actually nothing that I can do now I have it and I just have to learn to deal with it but if I can help other people by saying like this is what my things were if you're feeling this if this is what's happening to you like really fight for yourself because even though it's actually really hard when you're anxious and depressed and stressed like, if you can do that for yourself, then chances are you're going to save yourself a lot of hassle in the future. Mm. So, you know, if, if I put my message out there as much as uh, as possible, it'd be good. But I do think that, you know, the anxiety or at least the depression and then the stress 
absolutely led to my autoimmune disease. Mm. Well, there's so much research. I mean, what you were talking about, um, you know, what happens when there's long-term stress. Um, I mean, I'm not a medical expert. Um, I make that very clear when I do this podcast. Um, And everybody's journeys are different. But there is way more evidence and research coming out at the moment um, into what happens when the body is in long-term stress what happens uh, with that mind-body connection how you know the concept of um your brain listening to your body and hypersensitivity with pain and and how that all kind of can be the big vicious cycle and and yeah. have lasting effects on your body is is one that i'm fascinated with but also um i think needs more research um well, just because you're saying there about the brain and your body so as as I was saying earlier about my weight thing, which we will come back into, but my rheumatologist not refusing to treat me until I lose weight, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so I have to go to these weight management groups. And the first one that I went to last week was, I found it really triggering. It just, I would say it hindered more than helped 100%. I can go into it later on in more detail if you want me to, but on my way to the one yesterday, like which was my second one, the anxiety that I felt going was like, un- like I actually, it was like, I haven't had anxiety for such a long time and it felt like the height of my anxiety, mm-hmm. like a real, I think I probably would say a panic attack on my way in. And then when I got there, it was absolutely fine. And, you know, it was a really good session. I quite enjoyed what we talked about. We talked about, you know, disordered eating, emotional eating, binge eating, how a lot of our stuff is impacted by our environment and actually by evolution as well. It was really fascinating and I'm really glad that I went. But that anxiety, and I know, like, as I was going, I was saying to myself, this is your body, this is your mind trying to protect you, trying to protect your body, and you just need to push through it, like, because it'll be okay. But Having pushed through, I am suffering today. Mm. And like, I know that there is a flare coming. I can feel like my hip is sore. My hands are a little bit swollen. Like, I can feel it today. And I know that that mm. is linked because of that anxiety. But it's so, like, weird how you can have that complete rational side. Yeah. And then, like, this irrational side that's saying to you, like, you're in danger, you're in danger. Stop, stop, stop. And then this rational side that's saying, no, no, it's fine. You'll be fine. Just go. And like, so that is really interesting. Mm. And I mean, I'm I'm learning more about this, but um, the connection with things like trauma from, and, and that doesn't always have to be like at a bad event. It can be uh, just things not being, you know, ideal over time and, and it building up. Um, and uh, our brains, like our brain is hardwired to protect itself and to protect us and so those survival techniques and those survival um strategies that our body comes up with sometimes incredibly unhelpful (laughs) most of the time um and you know that but then if we become too rational and too like no i just need to listen to the rational side of me and push on and push on and and keep going uh we end up kind of numbing ourselves and not feeling and not being we become human doings not human beings and which is also (laughs) you know not healthy yeah yeah (laughs) but i think in that situation because i knew because i knew i wasn't actually in danger yeah that like you know I do hope that if I was actually in danger, my rational side would shut up and let the irrational. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it's all about um, our brain becoming coming into habits and using past experiences as um, evidence. They're like, oh, yeah. well, the last time you were here, or the last time you did this thing, or the last time somebody said that yeah. this terrible thing happened and we felt awful. Um, yeah. So there's definitely a process of like healing and going through that. I think. Um, there was something that, uh, well, I think we've talked, we've sort of skirted around the being overweight thing. So I want to delve into that now, I think. Um, so for anybody who's listening, uh, I don't know how you would have come across this podcast without knowing what I look like, but just in case you don't, um, I am still considered by, you know, doctors and etc. as overweight. And I have had, um, what's the right word? I have had probably issues with my weight since I was about 10 years old. And there's there's definite things that I can kind of harp back to that, that 
it where it all started but I had very similarly to I think your experiences Katie um doctors telling me that all my pain was related to my health and and uh, to my weight sorry and um you know there's a definite connection for me not necessarily a correlation but a connection between being overweight and having um chronic conditions um first of all what are your experiences with that um well i i mean it's just for me it feels like it's an excuse for doctors it's a very easy excuse and i'm not saying that it's for all of them but you know you've got how many patients that you see in a day and if someone comes in and they're overweight it is incredibly easy to just say well if you lost some weight you'd be grand now i'm not denying that is true because actually I'm sure if I did lose weight that my hip pain would feel better. I, I know that I do. I like, but to be so dismissed just because of that is really quite hurtful because actually I'm sure that there is something that they could do to help. And, you know, to have, to have had such a positive experience at the start of being like, really honestly, like I was seen within about three months. It was so quick uh, to like, such a negative one so now that's not been I've not been on any medication for now like over a year which actually is okay because the thought of putting chemicals into my body isn't actually uh something I enjoy or really want to do so um yeah although then again people would argue well, why do you overeat anyway <laughs> <laughs> we'll get on to that I'm sure yeah, we'll that'd be a very long podcast um but I I also you know having gone to these weight management classes you know, 60% of Scotland is considered overweight. 60%. I mean, that is, you know, and I, I don't know what the figure is for for the whole of the UK, but I imagine it's quite large, like quite large. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, you just sort of think like, okay, so the majority of our population mm. is overweight. What are we going to do about it? Like, how are we going to fix that? Don't tell us that it's an epidemic. Don't say it's obesity. Does it need to be fixed? You know, or is there actually something else that needs to happen? Do we need to change our opinions on the people who are overweight? Because actually, what is overweight? BMI apparently is absolute, like, you know, it's not a guaranteed thing. Who says what's overweight? What You know, there's whole loads of stuff. And I, I've been reading loads of stuff on Instagram about body positivity, and it has really changed my perception. I have spent years beating myself up because I am fat. And now I'm like, actually, fuck that no thanks yeah not anymore i'm not i'm just i'm gonna try to love my body and then from that i hope that it gets to the point that it needs to get to yeah and hope for the best <laughs> but um i i feel like i kind of want to go in and say that to my consultant i'm going in quite soon and i really just want to say to him you know what you've actually you have not helped me really at all and in fact you made things worse for me for a really long time because i beat myself up i blamed myself I put on weight because of that. And, you know, you can't say to someone who has had, I don't know, I mean, it is a disorder, an eating disorder. I've had it since I was 10. You cannot say to someone, you know, until you lose weight, I can't help you. Oh God, I just have to lose weight. Oh, how helpful. I'd never thought of that one before. I mean, you know, like, yeah. help me <laughs> I'm coming to you for help so just help me yeah I think uh, the the thing that's coming to my mind and we've got very similar experiences on this although I think uh, you know there are things that are different but um for me uh I know I wasn't happy uh, for anybody who's listening if you don't know I've recently lost about three and a half stone and I'm not saying that as like a oh you know praise me it's not about that but for me at my heaviest I was miserable now yeah. I've done a lot of reflecting over that recently and you know I post a lot about it on social media and um I think coming from a place that of self-love to start with because the thing that a lot of overweight people did and certainly what I did is I had a real thing of self-loathing like yeah. I hated myself. I despised myself, not just yeah. because of the way I looked, but the way I felt, the habits I had, uh, the thoughts I had, everything. Um, and I really was quite unkind to myself. Yeah. And so 
whenever I would hear like body positivity stuff, I'd be like, oh my God, I don't know how those people can do it. You know, I was a bit fat phobic, even though I was, you know, overweight myself. Yeah. Um, mm. But then coming to a place and, and doing some reflection and learning and, and going through processes uh, with my thoughts and feelings to come to a place of, I am worth treating myself better than this. Yeah. And part of that for me as a person, this is just my individual opinion and my own thoughts and feelings. But for me, overeating was a bit of a self-punishment yeah. for me. Uh, I would yeah. do it when I when I sought comfort, when I wanted to kill pain. It was a survival mechanism for me. It was what I did when I felt anxious, stressed, what I did when I wanted to celebrate. You know, it, it became like the crutch the addiction yeah. that I used for any time I didn't want to deal with my feelings. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think the I think genuine I like I think that what you're saying isn't a unique feeling. I yeah. genuinely think that like, and that's what I really love about Instagram and you know the body positivity movement is because you realize that there are so many people out there that are like you and have those feelings and. But as you say, like, as you come to love yourself and realize your self-worth isn't actually based on your weight, like, you probably do just naturally start to lose weight because you're not eating shit anymore because you want to nourish your body. You want to, like, you're, but also you're more in tune with your body. Mm. So you're actually listening to what it wants because I, like, again, don't know about you or anyone else, but I feel like I haven't really been in tune with my body since I was about 10. Mm. You know, I haven't mm. listened to it. And, like, it's really nice to actually finally like this is gonna sound ridiculous but the other day I was out for lunch and I didn't have a dessert mm. and like just because I didn't I just didn't want one mm. whereas beforehand I would have always just had a dessert whether I wanted it or not because that was just like my reward or my yeah. treat whatever <laughs> but I'm stopping using that language it's not a treat it's just food there's no good or bad food it's you know it's all about just taking away that real stigma around food I think and just looking at it as a as a way to nourish your body because that is actually all it is. Yeah, that that concept of nourishment. If there's been anything that's helped me in the past few months, it's been that because, like you said, you go through a stage of ignoring your body. You go through a stage of just quelling it and 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 not listening to it and sort of suffocating it almost uh, from the inside out. And I I'm this exact same as you. I would just eat and eat and eat sometimes till I was physically feeling sick yep. and yep. uncomfortable and and I didn't I couldn't stop myself it was like a compulsion but yeah. uh and I would have the dessert and I would have you know whatever else is my reward or my you know whatever but then changing it to I coming from the inside to I am I do not need this to depend uh, or to impact my self-esteem and self-worth mm -hmm. and no matter what I eat no matter what I put in my body I am okay suddenly releases you and don't get me wrong yeah. it's not a suddenly it takes a long time oh. to undo all yeah. of that no. I know what you mean because it's a sudden it's all it does take a while to get there but there is almost like a sudden like moment where you go oh yeah okay that's yeah. fine and if I still want to eat Pringles I can eat Pringles I just don't need to eat the entire tube of Pringles. Yeah. And eventually I'm hoping that I will stop <laughs> wanting Pringles altogether. But, you know, if I don't, it's fine. Because yeah. as I said, it is food is food. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Just taking it away from your self-worth. From... There's also a sense... Diet culture has a, a mm, lot yeah. to answer for. Because, I mean, I've literally been on diets. I, I think I visited a dietitian when I was like 11, 12 years old. I wasn't even fat. Do you know what I mean? Like the whole mentality of food and eating healthily has just, my mine has been skewered for such a long, long time. I have been on so many diets and, you know, counting calories and it it gives you a sense of deprivation and the minute there is deprivation you've got you've lost all hope of any kind of diet because then that is all your body wants because our our i think it's called the monkey brain isn't it our mm. irrational brain it's called the monkey brain you know it if it senses deprivation it's thinking right shit we need food mm. because the winter's coming we've got to survive find the food 
Mm. And so you mm. find any food and you eat it all. Yes. Yeah. So uh, like my culture honestly is just Yeah. Ugh. I mean I'm I'm the exact same as you. I think we have a very, very similar sort of uh early onset it's funny that it's both uh, sort of around the age of 10 it's such an impressionable age especially for yes. young girls um and by the way no offense if anyone is on a diet yeah yeah or one everyone's on their own journey and that is just mine obviously like yeah. as you say your opinions are yours and my opinions are mine and yeah. like i don't mean to offend anyone if that is what they're on but i would absolutely encourage them to to read around it yeah. if they can because i just think if you can move yourself away from that and, and into a more intuitive eating pattern, then you will be happier. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say is that I was on diets in my young, young teens and since then until probably last year um, and I would go through fads. I would lose a stone, put on two, lose two stone, put on three, four um, yeah. and it sort of escalated and I, I used to beat myself up and I think um, when it's not sustainable because you're telling your body uh, you are being punished for yeah. the, the choices that you have made in the past. You should feel guilty. You should feel shameful of who you are because you got yourself in this mess. Uh, and that is quite a self punishing. Uh, yeah. It's a way it's a self punishing way to be. And a few, a few weeks ago I was talking to a friend about this and I said, nourishment, not punishment yeah. because you we especially from society and the ideal image of what healthy looks like and all of all of that stuff that we could probably do spend about 10 hours talking about um (laughs) it it teaches you unfortunately at a very impressionable age that there is a perfect there is a right and if you don't conform to that then you are wrong and you are bad and you should be punished and you know and and i think the more that we can treat people who may be overweight and may not be happy about being overweight with a self a, a sense of understanding and openness and just talking about it and understanding that we all have those moments where we order two takeaways worth of food and eat it all by ourselves on the couch because we're feeling bad um yeah. and and yeah anyway we could probably talk about this forever we feel like we probably need to do a second one just yes but yeah absolutely absolutely we'll we'll come back to you people um so uh i guess um i'm interested we've talked a little bit about um kind of knowing yourself and understanding yourself and that being a real journey and i know that um you've kind of found a, a few different things that have helped you um understand yourself and on your healing journey what what do you think has helped the most um so i started to do sort of training as a life coach maybe about well i've done it on and off for two years but i really started to focus on some sort of online training type courses about a year ago and truthfully it's been that uh, you know it's just really switched my thinking about things i think because it really does teach you to sort of look at yourself and what your issues are in a sense and then how you can sort of fix that because yeah i think if you want to life coach if you want to do that you have to have a bit of clarity in yourself and i'm not saying that you have to be you know, the perfect image to be a coach. Sorry, I also did the quotes and I realized people can't see me. Sorry, the perfect <laughs> image in quotes. Um, because I think that there is, again, still on Instagram, you know, you look at coaches and they have the perfect hair and the perfect bodies and, you know, the perfect clothes. And you just sort of think, oh, maybe that is what I'm meant to look like. And you just really have to stop that that inner critic. That the inner critic is just and I think again even learning phrases like that the minute I read about an inner critic or my mean girl as I like to call her Mm. I was like oh god like (laughs) again like just like almost like a literally like a switch had gone and I was like that is absolutely what I do I like I really sort of do speak to myself in that way and I need to I need to shut her up Mm, so I I work hard to shut up my inner mean girl Mm, yeah that sort of yeah that self-critic and so that's really helped. But also there's been a few, like truthfully, a few Instagram people that I do follow who have just been amazing and so supportive. And 
you know, my family, my sister's a nutritionist, which people find funny because of everything. But, you know, she's sent me quite a lot of um, Instagram posts and stuff about people who are body positivity. And that's had a real impact on me as well. Just seeing other women who are like me in social media has been phenomenal. Um, but I also read a book by Mel Wells called The, the Goddess Revolution. Wow. And that for me was a real changing moment. It, it is to do with sort of um, losing weight, and but, but not losing weight for health. Again, my air quotes, but for, you know, just really loving yourself for who you are and, and everything. So there's been a few different things, I would say, but, but definitely doing the life coach courses. Um, like they're not proper training they're just sort of you know the ones that you can do on Udemy but just even doing those ones have been really beneficial to me mm, and well I think what you were saying about those little switch moments um I, I think um that doesn't really stop the more you can learn and the more little moments of revelation and understanding and commonality with other people whether it be through communities like Instagram or through coaching um the better because you suddenly learn to understand your, yourself more and like you were saying yeah. with coaches <laughs> there are some coaches and this is not a dig at anybody in particular no, it's, it's not, no it, it, it does sound like i'm doing that no no, actually, no it's I'm fine not, like yeah at all. It, you know, i completely get you who they are but it can lead to a moment of like self-doubt and then you have yeah. to think actually no because there could be other women out there who want to be a coach like you and by putting yourself out there and being present and available online, they will like, like, like the body positivity women have done for me. Mm. And, you know, so if, if we can be part of that, if we can be the, the sort of leading way for overweight people or chronic illness people or whatever, then like, that's where I want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Normal yeah. people. I think, uh, you know, we don't always want to, that 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 squeaky clean image that I've got it all put together that's intimidating for a lot of people and that's intimidating for me certainly um, and it's also probably bullshit so. yeah yeah a lot of the time it, it probably is <laughs> no offense people but uh we want some realness we want to see uh you know when and everything's going wrong we want to see when you're failing when you're struggling because that makes it more relatable and um, that's one thing that I've really valued in recent years is that hashtag relatable thing because yeah. it's getting people to be more open and honest about what they feel and what they think and all the moments that we are terrified to share with each other but that yes. that's the only way that we're ever going to grow and, and and help each other and and feel connection with other people and I've definitely felt um, you know I'm a, I'm a fully qualified coach I've got my own business but I still feel like a fraud a lot of the time yeah, and, I can all syndrome. Yeah, yeah. And the amount of people that I talk to who have that or who feel that yeah. way um, is a lot. It's like the majority. So, um, yeah. you know, being open and talking about it uh, is, is I think, the key. Um, and I'm fascinated. I don't think we've got time to talk about it today, but <laughs> next time maybe. Um, and I'll be talking with lots of people about this. Is that connection between the amount of coaches I've met who... Uh, have some sort of disability or chronic illness or pain and coaching or the the opposite way around the amount of people that that find coaching through that um yeah. there seems to be quite a high number and it seems to be because I think there's always been a I said I wasn't talking about this but oh well um <laughs> here I go there seems to be um like with things like counseling and therapy I definitely think that has its place but for oh, some yeah. people that's not what they need at that time and coaching is a way for you to start understanding yourself and and to start you know delving into things and to get progress happening without it being like tarring yeah. you with this i'm broken brush which is not what it's about yeah. at all well and you know a good coach would be able to tell you whether they can help you or whether you counseling is what's for you you know absolutely i think sometimes when you're in that moment it's hard to see it for yourself and i guess if you're willing to like trust someone which is awesome because actually trusting someone is so it's so important and you know having been to a counselor myself like taking that first step to reach out to someone can be really scary mm. and i think that if it's a coach someone who you've followed on instagram who you know i think it makes it less scary to reach out to them and then you know, you trust them. And if they say to you, listen, 
the best way for me to help you is for me to say you need to see a counselor Mm. then you know I feel like that first step wouldn't be as scary and like it's you know again well love that we don't have time but i'm just gonna talk about it anyway yeah yeah we're gonna do it it's fine people please please keep listening (laughs) (laughs) i I was watching the news the other day and there was a 16 year old girl on it and she was talking about her experiences with anxiety and depression and how long it took for her to actually get professional help Mm. and she said you know that first phone call was so scary for her and i'm so glad that she persisted because there will be many people who will make that first phone call it will not turn out as they want it because, and like, it's no one's fault. It isn't mm-hmm. anyone's fault, but you know, these are just some things that happen. And so like if coaching can be used as like, almost like that in between sort of step, I just feel like there would be a lot, a lot of people that you could really help off that ledge a little bit, you know, and I'm not saying that we're counselors because my God, we are not. And like, um, you know, they do so much training and they know all the psychology of everything. But even if, you just know that you've got someone there who is on your side, who is like your cheerleader, who's keeping you focused on goals. Cause sometimes when you're anxious, keeping focus on your goals can be really difficult. And so if you've got someone that, and like, again, maybe having someone saying to you, like, have you done this is not like the best thing because that like, that would be terrifying. Mm-hmm. But again, your coach should know how to get those best results out of you. And I just think like, you know, if I can help other women who are maybe feeling anxious or who are lacking in confidence in themselves, if I can help them get to a point where I feel I am at now, like I would love that. Yeah. You know, because yeah. with my anxiety, like that thing yesterday would have floored me. But because I've done so much work on myself with like the life coaching and with speaking to people, it didn't. Mm. Like I'm so proud of that achievement because, you know, genuinely, like not very long ago, it would have floored me. Mm-hmm. And so, I do. I just think life coaching has got such a a good place right now yep. to, to help people and be that because anxiety and stress and everything is on the rise. And yeah, if we can help it, yeah. then yeah, absolutely. I rambled there a little bit. Sorry. No, it's okay. I, everything you were just saying. I mean, one thing I'd sort of like to point out I guess and agree with is yes we're uh, most of us a lot of us are not qualified counsellors but a lot of us do we know a lot about how psychology works we know a lot about about how counselling works we know what we're looking for we're you know we're trained in coaching and so it we are there for the person and I don't think many people fully have in their life someone who's completely on their side non-judgmental who's there to challenge them but support them who um is like you said their cheerleader but who's not going to be like have you done this have you done that yeah um if that's what you need and want great we'll do that too but (laughs) you know um there's this there's this sort of conception a misconception that that life coaches are like oh you can just come and sort my life out for me and that's sort of what happens i guess in the end but uh, it's you sorting it out for yourself with a, yeah. a partner who can help you towards that. So, I mean, it's it's fantastic. I mean, I'm a coach, so I would say that. But, um, <laughs> th- and the beauty of it is, is that us as coaches, we are not whatever this means, but we are not the finished product. I'm doing air quotes again. Because um, we're just humans and you're just human. And we, we, go th- we go through things, we grow, we make mistakes, we fail stuff happens and and uh isn't that nice to kind of know that it we just we're just a fellow human we're not superior yeah. we're just you're not broken we're just two people well and I, I guess like and again i like as i said i've been to a council i've been to a couple of counselors so i'm not dismissing them in any way but i guess there is times where you can feel like they are a bit superior and that i guess is what the scary thing is Mm. is that you feel like you're going to go to someone who is potentially going to judge you now in my experience they have never ever judged me so if anyone is listening and thinking of going to a counselor because they need it then absolutely like you know it was the right thing for me my first counselor for example really helped me at the very beginning of my sort of loving myself you know she told me that the vicious things I was saying to myself was like I was dripping poison and again that was a light bulb like a like Mm. proper moment for me where I was like oh my god she's right like so you know absolutely support going to counselors but you're right like we are there as that non-judgmental that sort of 
supportive friend actually and that's what it is and I think a lot of coaches are incredibly empathetic I would say that that is a absolute quality that you'll find in most coaches is that they are they have that empathy and that empathy is I mean there's nothing like it for coaching because they know they they know what you feel yeah Yeah. even if they've actually not been through it themselves they know and like that is yeah we listen wholeheartedly and how much time do people really get you think at home how much time do you get where you are unequivocally unequivocally i can't say that word whatever it is uh, listen to it's not often it's really not often uh, if at all um and like i mean i have had gosh probably counting up i've probably had about five years if you condense it all together of counseling and therapy in my past so Uh, and then if you add on coaching, <laughs> like it's, it's, yeah, I've, uh, I, I've invested a lot of time in that, those sort of interventions and I've only continued to grow and I am a completely different person to who I was at the beginning of that yeah. journey. And I'm going to do, um, you know, some videos and posts on that later. Um, and that's going to be a challenge for me to open up about that. Cause there's some, yeah. some stuff there, but that vulnerability, I know Brené Brown, who is just somebody who I'm starting to, to, um, look into her stuff she talks about being vulnerable and how that's like the key to to healing and and all of that stuff um so yeah be vulnerable guys uh we we all we all need to be vulnerable we're all here right right here with you so gosh we've covered a lot um we have. <laughs> so, uh, I ask all my podcast guests three questions, uh, and they're a bit cheesy. Uh, sorry, everyone. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to ask them anyway. I couldn't give a shit. Um, so, uh, number one, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Okay. So, whenever I think about this one, I get very stuck between a couple. Okay. You can have more than one. Go on. Oh, excellent. Okay, so <laughs> I would love telekinesis because I would really just like to freak people out. Because <laughs> uh, I'm a little bit of a, if I'm honest, there's like a little bit of a cheeky shit inside of me mm-hmm. and uh, being able to freak people out would be pretty uh, pretty awesome. But I also want, um, tele- no, I can't say it, telepathic. Oh, right, okay, uh, yeah. Skills as well would also be quite good. Reading but people's minds, just- right? yeah yeah okay but like only like when you want to not all the time yeah yeah yeah. a bit overwhelming (laughs) (laughs) and then there is also part of the things you know what we do have a superpower already in our empathy so there you go yeah already got some superpowers on the go i love that that's great (laughs) that's a wonderful answer um yeah we're already we already know what you're thinking because we listen so well and we're so empathetic so you know (laughs) okay so if you could invite anybody, dead or alive, real or fictional, to either a dinner party or just a private, entre- uh, what's the word, meeting, <laughs> uh, who would it be? Uh, it would actually be Henry VIII. Ooh. <laughs> I know, right? That's but an interesting one. Bastard, but I really would love to meet him and see if he was an actual bastard. But also would quite like to meet him when he was apparently very handsome because all of the images of him are not. Yes. And I don't actually know if he was or if like that's just what he had paid people to say. Um, but also there's a part of me that just thinks, I don't know, like, uh, yeah, I would just love to meet him. Mm. He's, he's a, quite a character. Yeah, interesting. And there's so much about him in, I mean, you all kids in this country anyway learn about him in yeah. school at a very young age and you know, I still remember divorced, beheaded, survived. Yeah, I still remember that. Um, which a random bit of information that I don't really need, but it's in there, ingrained. So when you go to court, there is a bit where they have some school children. They've recorded doing that. It is the creepiest thing ever. You're like walking down a corridor, and you just hear this: um, divorced, beheaded, died. Like, <laughs> what is that? Yes, oh. it was a in court because it's a bit creepy. Wow. But yeah. Okay. Good answer. Interesting. I'm sure he would be fascinating. Yeah, I wouldn't marry him. No, or be beheaded or divorced. <laughs> Good. Good. Okay. And finally, uh, what animal best describes you and why? Okay. So, 
<laughs> my husband describes me as a trash panda, which is a raccoon. <laughs> because, <laughs> and this is coming back to Pringles. You know when you get like down to the bottom of the thing? And he says that when I do that, I look like a raccoon or a trash panda. But then I looked up trash pandas and they are intelligent and they are creative and they are mischievous. So actually, I am a bit of a trash panda, mm. but my spirit animal is an owl. Mm-hmm. Oh, why? Um, no, I literally did a quiz and it told me. Oh, right. <laughs> I see. <laughs> I understand. I like I like the fact that, you know, your husband made an observation about you, uh, which may have not been the most flattering on first observation. But then no. you looked into it and you went, do you know what? There is some truth to what he's saying. But yeah. actually, I also like these qualities. And, and that's, yeah. that's I'm going to own my trash panda ways. Yeah, I love that trash panda. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that before. Oh, wow. Uh, they're quite cute as well. Like they have exactly. little like cute hands and yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good. Very cute. Good. Excellent. Right. So we've covered a lot today. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. <laughs> We're definitely going to have to do another chat when, uh, probably about um, eating and, and food and all of what we've talked about because it's fascinating stuff. And, yeah, uh, definitely. Great. Right. Uh, where can people find you if, uh, if they want to get in touch? Um, best place is on my Instagram which is um, Adventure Awaits Eden, E-D-I-N, like Edinburgh. Fab. Uh, And we just want to thank everybody for listening today. Uh, We hope that whatever you're doing, you are practicing some self-care, some self-love, and maybe try and be a bit vulnerable today. See how it goes. See you later. Bye.